Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Thunder Buddies Podcast. I'm your host, Michael Martin, and I am joined by my Thunder Buddy on this Tuesday morning, Joe Masato. Joe, how are you doing? Doing good, Michael. It's a, it's a good Tuesday morning, July. It's hot. Let's get to it. Let's get to it. Um, seems like the Thunder are um, almost relocating to Washington as Jared Butler has been signed <laughs> away from his two-way deal to, is it a full contract or another two-way with the Wizards? Yeah, it's a it's another two way, but you're right. Um, yeah, Jared Butler, who was on a two way with the Thunder toward the end of last season, heading to the Wizards on a two way. So um, obviously he was a he was a Will Dawkins guy, or Will Dawkins obviously liked him, the the former Thunder exec, who's now the GM um, w- with the Wizards. So Butler will get another chance at a two way contract. Um, which leaves two open two-way deals in Oklahoma City. Keontae Johnson has one of the two. And um, I would consider Lindy Waters the third a strong candidate to get another one. So um, if you guys don't remember that situation, Lindy had a team option this summer. The Thunder declined it. Um, he was promoted from a two-way to a standard deal. That option was declined, like I said. Um, but he's still eligible to re-sign with the Thunder as a two-way player, and I expect that will happen. There's some stuff to take care of before then. But yes, Jared Butler on to Washington. I enjoy this just pipeline of guys because they have Eugene now. Um, they have a couple other just like former Thunder guys, Mascala, Gallinari. Yeah. So they're who's next? That's that's a real question. Probably not Shea Gilgis Alexander, Jalen Williams, or Josh Giddy. I would I would say we need we need Poku <laughs> near the nation's capital. Him and Bilal Koulibaly. Hey, that could be a landing spot for young Poku. Maybe maybe some Trey Mann action, Jeremiah Robinson Earl. Keep the pipeline open. But I have seen some people asking about, well, why didn't the Thunder just sign him to a two way or this and that? And it's I think with Butler, he was a free agent, so he just went somewhere with more opportunity for him to play. Is that right? Well, I mean, I would say that the Thunder wasn't, you know, if they were more interested in bringing him back, I think they would have. Mm-hmm. Um, I think Jared Butler is a fine player, but it's not like, you know, you're you're losing sleep over losing him to another team. I mean, he's an undersized guard who is, you know, about to turn 23, I think. You know, he profiles best as maybe like a third team point guard who can just settle things down in in case of emergency. Maybe he's more than that in Washington. He's able to prove himself a little bit more. But um, Jared Butler is not part of the long term plans in Oklahoma City. So uh, I would not be upset over this if I was a Thunder fan. Unless you're Rylan Stiles. Unless you're Rylan Stiles. He's lost Darius Baisley. He's lost Jared Butler. Just nothing going for him right now. But man doesn't know how to pick them. <laughs> I guess not. <laughs> but um, we had some um, Q&A questions that we wanted to that you uh, picked out here. Um, and let's get right into it from at hot rock and roll. He wants a rundown on the new rules for team member counts. How many guys are able to dress out each game, two way contracts and any other relevant info around this subject? Yeah, I think this is a good place to start because it's basically like a primer of the offseason rules. So. In the offseason, teams can carry up to 21 players, and that includes two-way contract players. So right now, the Thunder is at 21. So I mentioned the possibility of bringing Lindy back on a two-way deal. They can't do that right now because he would be player number 22. So other stuff would have have to happen. Um, Rudy Gay was waived because he was the 21st man, and he had to make make way for Jack White to sign. Um now, you have until the start of the regular season to carry that many, but then you have to whittle it down to 15 players on standard contracts, 
three players up from two last year. This is a part of the new CBA. Uh, so three players on two-way contracts for a total of 18 spots. And Hot Rock and Roll also asked, um, uh, able to dress out each game so that's that's a new thing this season as well teams can now have 15 players as opposed to 14 dressed out in each game that's very nice i remember a while ago i think it was even less that you could have dressed out i think yeah. the, the celtics won a title and um doc Rivers said that brian scalabrini sprinted back in the locker room to put on his like uniform so he could celebrate with the team and not just be a guy in a suit so i think this yeah. doesn't harm anyone other than um some thunder fans whenever they see that Mark is going, I can play 14 guys. <laughs> now 15. 15, yeah. I, yeah he's going to go through the entire, it's going to be like that Kentucky team with Devin Booker and Carl Anthony Towns where it's just like just units five, five at yeah. a time. Pl- platoon substitutions, hockey style. Absolutely. Well, we have three questions here. They're all sort of around the same, so I'll um, ask them all together. Logue May 92, prediction for final roster heading into the season um george's underscore two underscore plowshares with summer league wrapped up who do you think the roster cuts are do you see a future for Trey man on this roster and at staden banks nine who's on the chopping block do you see us making another trade or just cutting guys i feel like this is all sort of in the same vein yeah everyone when i called for mailbag questions on uh the website formerly known as twitter I most of the questions were about the roster situation and kind of predictions for the final roster. So shout out to these folks for asking that question. Um, here, here's I, I mean I can I can give a rundown. I I have my 15 man prediction. If that would not be too boring to uh, rattle off, here go for it. All right. So this is in relative order of certainty. So I have Shea Gilgis Alexander, Chet Holmgren, Jalen Williams, Josh Giddy, Lou Dort, top five, Kaysen Wallace, Usman Jang, Kenrich Williams, Vasily Michich, Isaiah Joe. Now we're at 10. So the, the last five spots, I have Aaron Wiggins, Jay Will, Poku, Trey Mann, and Davis Bertans. And on two-way deals, uh, this is an old prediction because I had Jared Butler on here, but Keontae Johnson, Lindy Waters the third, and whoever you want to guess about the next two-way player. So based on that list, that leaves off some notable names. Jeremiah Robinson Earl, Victor Oladipo, Jack White, Usman Garuba, and Ty Ty Washington. So I have no idea if that's how it's going to play out. I think Oladipo is not likely to make the roster. JRE, Jack White, Usman Garuba, Ty Ty Washington, to me, are all in kind of the same category. Is, you know, one of them might emerge, but multiple of them probably won't. Um, Michael, let's say you, like, where do you see JRE, Jack White, Garuba, Washington Jr.? Do you, do you, which of those guys do you think is most likely to make the team? Um, Man, I'd say Jerry won just because they've had him in the building and they kind of know what they have I agree. and they've seen him play well. Um, I, I just don't. And we'll get into Jack White later. I just haven't been overly impressed. And I don't mean that as an insult to him. I just don't like nothing stands out necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. Garuba, I can see the potential. And then Ty Ty Washington would be the one out of those other than JRE, who I would have, I guess, second. But yeah, JRE is definitely the number one for me of if you're just uh, ranking those four guys. Yeah, I um, I would have Jerry number one as well. I think it's been easy to kind of cool off on him recently because of the injuries. Um, and when he's come back from those ankle injuries, just hasn't played well. Um, I also think he's a guy that's like really hard on himself and probably just needs a bit of a confidence boost, but we've seen him play play well for the thunder especially with what he flashed in in his rookie season this is a big third year coming up for him so um given that he's been around i agree with you that jre is the most likely of those uh to make the team and i, I grouped all the other guys together because they they have not they have not been around i mean excluding victor oladipo who who was but um already waved rudy gay 
Garuba and Tai Tai. I I'm not real excited by either of them. I would probably have Garuba slightly over Tai Tai, and I know I've written and talked about like the guard problem isn't real. There's not too many guards. Don't worry about that. But just given the dearth of big men on the roster, I think Garuba is sort of interesting to to at least see what he can do defensively. Um so yeah, but you know, this is the Thunder is okay being in this spot. Like people are making a big deal of like, oh, good players are gonna have to be cut. But it's like, are you really gonna lose like the the Thunder's worried about like one through four on their roster, one through five on their roster. They're less concerned about 18 through 21 on their roster. Like that's not that's not one gonna be what makes or breaks you as a championship contender five years from now. You're not gonna remember, oh man. That uh, Garuba decision really, really killed them. Um, they, they should have gone the other way on that. No, we're going to talk about were they able to keep Shea and J-Dub and Giddy and Chet together? Like, that's going to be the question. And they're still going to have these picks, even if they lose a guy like that, to go out and get someone to replace them if they feel like they made a mistake. I, I almost go back to the process with rebuilds like this. Like, there are going to be guys that get away. Jeremy Grant, Robert Covington... Sharich, Christian Wood, and other guys who ended up contributing, at least on other teams. And when you cycle through this many guys, that's just kind of the business that you're in. It hasn't happened yet, though. I no. agree that it's going to happen. Um, but like, is is anyone like second guessing Isaiah Roby, Teo Maladone, Ty Jerome, Vit Krejci? Nope. Eugenio Marui? I, I don't think he any of those are uh, hurting just yet. So it will eventually happen. And here's the other deal. Like, you know, so what if Tai Tai Washington or Usman Garuba gets waived? They already extracted a pick from taking those players on in the first place. So like they're kind of the secondary asset in the deal. Like they made that trade to get the second round pick, not to, not because they were just in love with Garuba or, or Washington. I think they want to give those guys a look. Um, but it's just very, very low impact. And don't get me wrong. They have to make some tough decisions between a lot of these guys who are like high pedigree, like a Ty Ty Washington that went to Kentucky. But I think the Thunder would be would much rather be in this position where they have to make some tough decisions and maybe cut some guys who are talented than be just looking at a roster full of guys with just no hope and just like, well, we're not going to cut anybody. But like none of these guys are any good. And I think that that competition is good that they're going to have in training camp with these guys fighting for spots. But yeah, you'd much rather have a guy like Presti who's got an eye for talent cutting down the roster with a bunch of talented guys than be searching for any sort of uh, life on the roster. And if I had to make a guess, I I bet the Thunder doesn't just have to outright cut all of these guys. Maybe they're going to have to wave one or two of them to to get that roster down. But I think they could still like flip guys like Tai Tai and Garuba because they were recent first round picks. Someone might be interested in them even for like a protected second round or something like that. To where you, you can still kind of get something out of that kind of on both sides of the trade. So um yeah, something yeah, like a very, questions are fun to talk about. Yeah, something like that. A very protected second where you're almost just giving up the salary and you just don't have to buy him out. And the other team just like, here's mm-hmm. a free get out of jail free card. But um, rounding back to one of those questions, you see a future for Trey Mann on this roster. I know you said that he was a guy that you wouldn't cut, but just for me, it feels like this is his um his last tryout year for the Thunder, at least. Yeah, it's it's a big year for Trey Man. That's not uh, breaking any ground there, but I don't think there's any reason to move on from him right now. In a trade, sure, but it, it makes no sense to just like wave him. I I would be fairly stunned if that happens, just because he's still 22. He's entering year three. He's under contract for 3.2 million this season. 4.9 million next season um so like 
he could be included in a trade. And if not, like it's, it's a contract that you, you might as well keep him around just given that, uh, you know, there's a chance that he, that he pops in, in year three or four. So I don't, I see a, a future for Trey man this coming season. Um, but like, if you told me he's on the thunder, I don't think he'll. Well, I gotta. I gotta watch how I word this. I, I'd be a little surprised if he is on the Thunder past the end of this contract. Like, unless something changes, I don't see a contract extension um, coming his way. Yeah, I feel the same way. Where the Thunder are open to if he plays his way into a new, a new deal, but this is just kind of like let's let's see what we have with him. Um, from at Brutus Maximus. Would you take Ben Simmons for Bertans, Oladipo, Gay, etc.? Obviously, Rudy Gay is gone, but let's just say for salaries and it somehow works where it's like Bertans, Oladipo, and filler for Ben Simmons. Would you do that? This was a this was an interesting question because it it, it could be done. Um, however, I said no, thank you. Um, so. Yes, Gay is already off the roster, but Oladipo and Gay, they, they were expiring contracts. Bertans, we've talked about, um, is only guaranteed $5 million in the 2024-25 season. Um, meanwhile, Ben Simmons is owed $40.3 million in the 2024-25 season. That is a difference of $35 million. So while you could make that trade now to make the money work. I kind of wrote about this a couple of weeks ago that the Thunder in no way wants to kind of waste any sort of cap space at all in future seasons. Um, they're trying to they're trying to build up knowing that a big payday is coming for a lot of these guys in their young core. Shea already on a max. We've talked about the potential of Giddy, Chet, J-Dub all those guys reaching that potential. Um, so you have to reach the floor, but at the same time, if you've got an excess 35 million, you'd rather bank that and, you know, tell ownership, Hey, we're going to go into the tax, but remember that we banked this money um, that, you know, can help, help kind of afford this team rather than spending it on Ben Simmons, who, I'm curious to see what you think. I just don't see any future for him being even a rotation NBA player. Yeah, I wouldn't want him near my young team at all. I I just <laughs> get him away from my kids. Exactly. It's like just <laughs> Sam Presti standing on the lawn. Just like, get out of here. No, <laughs> but Ben Simmons, we talked about it it earlier he was an all-nba player he was really really good but just all these things going on um he's owed 37 million this year 40 next year like you mentioned the only way that i would even consider it is something like like how many picks are the nets attaching to him because he's literally the worst contract in the nba right now yeah that that's that's true and um i should have addressed that in in my answer but it would yeah, there's no way the Thunder would do this without picks attached. Yeah, and just what are those picks? And then for Ben Simmons, not necessarily him as our individual player or him just like in particular in mind, like you talked about with those uh, salaries. But I do think it's important for them, as in the Thunder, to have a big salary that's tradable at some point. Because we've seen teams like the Celtics for many years, it was like, well, if you want to trade anyone, the only tradable salaries you really have to get anybody of value is your big three to four of like Tatum, Brown, uh, Smart, and Horford, and you don't want to move off any of those guys. So I think it is important to have sort of a larger salary slot if you're going to make a trade, but I don't think Ben Simmons is the guy who I would want in that spot. Uh, ben Simmons' dad played college basketball at Oklahoma City University, so there is precedent for a Simmons playing in Oklahoma City, but yeah, it's not going to happen. Josh Giddy's going to turn his career around. The Australian connection. Yeah, um, I, I didn't even think about that, but yeah, it's just even. I mean, sure, if the picks were juicy enough, 
sign me up. But, but even then, wouldn't you just send him home? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, you you probably would not give him the address of the practice facility. Because just like as a hypothetical, Simmons next to Chet defensively sounds really good, but he's not like there are just all these other variables that you have to take into account. That I just don't really think the Thunder want to deal with, and it's something I don't really want to deal with either. So, yeah, you could. It'd be weird to keep a guy at home for two years, but, you know, on an expiring deal like the Thunder did this with Ariza, where he was on the team, but just never reported. They were fine with that. He was fine with that. Um, obviously, they had the the Horford situation where it's not like he went home. He was still around, still sitting on the bench and everything like that, um, but just not playing. So. Sure, you could do something like that. I, I think it'd be more likely in that a team might do that in the last year of this contract. So like this time next year. Yeah, I, I would wonder about that. Like if you do it a year early, the Nets give you a bunch of assets and then you flip them a year later for just some other contract. Because at one year left, it's much more tolerable than two. Right, right. Well, from two Aussies to another one. At Onward Hustle wants to know any thoughts on Jack White. Will we keep him heading into the regular season? Uh, so based on the list I just gave, my answer would be no. But I admittedly have a. It's like a it's like there's like a sinkhole in my brain when it comes to Jack White. I just I don't I don't know about his status with the team. I don't know the Thunder's motivation for signing him. I I don't know if he can play. I don't know if Josh Giddy just needed an Australian friend around. Um, I, I don't really get the Jack White situation. Um, there's not a lot of downside, though. Still don't know the, the details of that contract. But if it's a two-year deal, second year is not guaranteed. There might not be a lot guaranteed in the first year. So it might be a thing to just get him into camp, see what he can do. Um, he did flash some things uh, as a two-way player with the Nuggets last year, playing 17 games for the Nuggets, but was a role player at best for four years at Duke. He's about to turn 26. So it's like, what's the upside here? Um, kind of reminds me of a Gabriel Deck signing, honestly. I mean, White was at least stateside and playing in the G League and in the NBA, but um, it's one of those where I just like don't understand and I'm willing to say the Thunder is a hell of a lot smarter than I am. So surely they know something I don't know about Jack White. Yeah, I just don't with a lot of these guys when they come in the NBA, it's like, what's their NBA signature skill? And I just don't know what that is for him. And I've watched some stuff of him. The Duke, like you mentioned, four years, he's just on the team role player, average like five points, probably less than that, and like two rebounds. Then he played really well in the NBL for a couple of years. And then now in the G League, it's like solid. But I just don't see a lot of upside with that either. And maybe if this was earlier, like in the rebuild, just to have a guy for a culture guy around these guys. But at this point, I can't really imagine anything past um, training camp unless they maybe work something out where they cut him and sign him to a two way spot. Yeah, and. Yeah, I don't I don't know the logistics on how exactly that that would work, but um maybe that is a possibility. But yeah, I'd be a little surprised if Jack White took up one of the 18 spots. From at JJ Midland, is Poku a part of Presti's long range plan? Does he get re-signed or does he get traded for a fifth round pick or is he salary filler in a bigger trade? I don't think he's a fifth round pick, but I'll I'll let he's, you go. He's not I, I guarantee he's not going to get traded for for a fifth round pick because such things do not exist. But I understand the uh, sarcasm there. Um, what 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 would you define as long term plan, Michael? <laughs> That's because like it's easy to shoot it down that way whenever you say long term plan. But I guess maybe the next three years, maybe. Because with a lot of these players, it's just like long term. It's like, what does that even mean? Because long term from yeah. role players like Poku is probably going to be, I think, long term is three to four years. Yeah, I don't 
I don't consider any role players on this team long term. Like long term, I would say SGA, Giddy, Chet, Dub, Jang, Casey, Wallace, maybe Lou Dort. But like that's that's pretty much the list. Uh, maybe I'm missing somebody, Kenrich, but just maybe? talk to Micic. Yeah, even I'd, I would not say Micic just because we haven't even seen him yet. Mm-hmm. So could be a failed experiment. Kenrich probably. Um, as far as role players go, like Kenrich is probably at the top of the list. Poku, I, I don't think is in the long-term plans. I don't think as the Thunder's mapping out, you know, if, imagine them in their facility and it's like, okay, we're we're plotting out how we're going to be, you know, NBA champions in 2028. I, I don't think like Poku is taking up much space on on that plan. Uh, um, this is Poku is entering the last year of his contract. He's extension eligible this summer. Um, has has not agreed to an extension as of yet. Uh, I I think. It's it's so weird because I could see a situation in which Poku is back on basically a minimum type deal because like what has he really showed and so he doesn't have much leverage but at the same time the Thunder might still like the potential and he's still so young and even though his rookie contract is about to end you still don't know a ton about him. So I could see both sides wanting to kind of kick the can down the road a little bit more, see what's there, because I don't see a lot of competition. Like I don't see other teams clamoring to to sign Poku or to trade for Poku at this point, because it's like if he can't develop with the Thunder, which is arguably the best developmental system in the NBA, like how is like Charlotte going to develop him? I, I just have no hope for that. Um so to answer the question, no, I don't think he's in the long-term plans. But at the same time, he could be on the team past his rookie deal. Yeah, I don't think he's in the long-term plans, but I don't think they're trying to ship him out tomorrow, is what I would say. Yeah. And for Poku, maybe some of this is what the Thunder, he's just in a situation where he needs more time to develop. We knew that he was going to be raw when he was get, getting drafted, but maybe those minutes aren't there. Maybe he gets moved on to a team, say... Like the Spurs, there's an easy pipeline between the Thunder and the Spurs. They're rebuilding. They want to have a bunch of potential guys out there. Maybe the Blazers, maybe Washington gets another former Thunder guy. But I think there are other teams that might have some interest, but it's not a long, long list of teams lining up. Yeah, I mean, the guy still played in less than the equivalent of two NBA seasons. Um, So a lot of injuries have stacked up and you know, as we always say, he was playing the best basketball of his career before he was hurt last season. So maybe there's still something there. It could also be a Darius Basley type situation. Former first round pick who is in the last year of his deal, probably not going to keep him. Um, so you move him for a second round pick. Like I could see something like that happening. I do like the idea of being in the Thunder's front office and um, they have to factor Poku into their plans and just every single draft pick. They're like, okay, well, we have Chet number two, but Jabari really fits next to Poku just so much better. (laughs) Yeah. It's like, or we're going to have Leonard Miller, but it's like he just eats a lot of minutes from Poku. It's like, let's go with Casey. Maybe maybe they like the Jack White Poku two man combination for (laughs) all I know. That is the uh, the oil underground that they're going to strike. <laughs> that it's like Presty's in there. He's like, Mark, we've figured something out. We've unearthed the next two man game. But um, at the underscore flay, what are some ways the Thunder can capitalize on fan interest in a young team's potential while waiting for on court success to sell seats? Looking at summer league's growth and other quote unquote fan events throughout the league, anything that would translate to OKC. So I'm not a marketing expert, but I thought this was a pretty good question. Uh, um, attendance was lacking again last year for the majority of this season. It ramped up at the end where like the Thunder was squarely in the play-in race, and I think people got behind the team a little bit more. 
I've said this numerous times. I feel like a large portion of the fan base and maybe kind of residents of the state at large were a little late to the party for this team. Kept getting questions about when are they going to stop tanking and when is the rebuild over? Meanwhile, they were playing like 500 basketball and even better than that, given their point differential. Um, so so things didn't really line up there. Um, as far as like filling seats, the best way to do that in the NBA is to to win more games. That's that's tried and true uh, throughout the years. The other thing I would say, and I I I really like uh, the folks that kind of run the in-game operations at the Thunder, but I I think there could be some some new juice to it, some new life. Just inject some new energy because you know a lot of the stuff that a lot of the sound effects, the music, the whatever, like a, a, a lot of it, it has been the same for years and years. And this is a new era of Thunder basketball. And I think they could like switch things up a little bit, try to get more, uh, not that I know how to be cool, but maybe more cool in some ways, a little edgy, like just liven the place up a little bit. It's, it, it, kind of like you go to some NBA arenas and like people are fired up, people are dancing, everyone's having a good time and like sometimes the Thunder atmosphere can be a little stale and I can't put my finger on exactly why but it's just it's uh, it's like they're not willing to take risks to kind of you know liven the place up. I'll give you one example some my one of my favorite in-game bits i'm really going off on a tangent here the atlanta hawks do this thing where they'll pick one of their players before the game to to try to draw the logo of the team they're playing that night so the thunder are in town they ask you know clint capella hey draw the thunder's logo without looking at it and it's really funny because like, you know, they're videoing the the whiteboard and everything and him drawing and like it looks like crap. But then they'll 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 copy that logo and like put it next to the Thunder's actual logo on the scoreboard for like a whole quarter. And it's just like funny stuff like that that, you know, the Thunder players really aren't um the Thunder doesn't like to to do that stuff with their players where they're like recording like in-game bits and stuff like that but fans love it so i don't really know why they don't do it um but yeah that's just like one tiny example i agree with you i think you should just do it during media day just knock them out i think the ones where it's like the newlywed game where you just talk to guys who are really good friends like jay will and j-dub and ask them it's like what's jay will's favorite food just little corny small things yeah. like that um have these guys yeah, more or invested just like yeah name Name as many fruits as you can. Name as many Olympic sports as you can. That's another one that people uh, that that some teams do, and they'll like pit two guys against each other. They'll play one's video and the other's video in like thirty seconds, and you know fans are get to cheer for who they want to win and stuff like that. So, yeah, you said it. Like the behind the scenes answer to all of this is that it's not like they're recording these, you know, just before every game. They use media day to just bank all of this content and then just roll it out during the season. I mean, the Cavaliers have some good social stuff where I saw somebody they were walking to the tunnel and the Cavaliers like um, social media intern was handing all of the players friendship bracelets, which was hilarious. And they're uh, yeah. just asking them. It's like, OK, who would you least trust to back you up in a fight and just stuff like that? Just lighthearted things. But the in and arena entertainment should just keep the energy up, I think, could be stepped up. Another thing, um, we're seeing other teams do this, and maybe this is less likely if the Thunder are going to be contributing to this new arena, but I think it would really help with fan engagement is what the Nuggets and the Suns are doing, which is just like making the games more widely available, because I know a lot of people around the state have had issues just watching the games. Yeah, that's a huge issue. Um, I I don't know where the Thunder is on that or... if that's even a possibility, but you have seen teams, you know, a couple you mentioned in the NBA and 
several others across professional sports who have broken away from their contract with the regional sports network like Bally Sports um, to go independent in the sense that it's on just a cable TV channel or a, just like a, a regular channel everyone gets. Like Thunder Games used to be on like KSBI or something like that. Um, just like, okay, channel 34, channel 52 is now the Thunder Games where everyone has access to that, um, whereas everyone does not have access to Bally Sports. I mean, especially for like young people who are like streaming and don't have like traditional cable. Like I had Hulu TV, live TV, and Thunder Games stopped being available on that. So I had to switch. This was in like the 2020, 21 season. Um, where I wasn't traveling, so I was just covering road games from home. So needed needed to watch the game. So I ended up switching um, my TV package to uh, AT and T. It's now like Direct TV Stream because they have Thunder Games. So it's like I can easily figure that out. But like older people sometimes struggle with that type of stuff or don't want to put in the effort. So you nailed it. Like the games are not easy to find or, or or always watch and therefore it's just like less it, it's not at it's not in the public's like conscious as much so like these games you and i are going to find a way to watch them like even if it's not the easiest way but there are other fans mm-hmm. who are just getting into it and if you make it really difficult like they're just going to find something else to do and yeah. i think that it's very important to make these just accessible as as accessible as possible and you might be losing out on some advertisement money, but you're going to have more people going to games and buying tickets and buying jerseys and things. And the last thing that I think it would help is um, this has been talked about for a very long time and probably will never happen, but a rebrand, I think a ah. <laughs> new jerseys, new logo to just signal to everyone. This is a new iteration of the thunder. And just on top of that, I think that it's, it's time for something like that. We've seen a lot of teams do this, like LeBron, both times that he left, they went through a rebrand. Um, I think that there have been other ones like New Orleans went through a rebrand uh, after Anthony Davis left. So this could be something for them and just more engagement from the fans, getting younger uh, people around to buy more of these jerseys and things. And you can still keep the older ones as like an alternate, but I think it would be a lot of fun and really cool for a lot of people if there was a new iteration of you know thunder artwork and jerseys and things i 100 percent endorse the idea of a rebrand i don't see it happening anytime soon the thunder has been adverse to that because as a young franchise they want to establish their brand i mean this is i guess going to be entering year 16 so you know, as a new team, you don't want to always be switching things up where you never had like an identity in the first place. But as a counter to that, this is the ideal time to rebrand. You could argue that this summer would have been the best time to rebrand, because um, because you're you're kind of running out of time if if you don't, because then you are going to be perhaps rebranding during the middle of a new run where you would rather do it on the front end of that. Like here's the new era of thunder basketball with these new jerseys, this kind of reimagined logo. Um, I, I'm not a, uh, you might know this about me, Michael. I'm not a design expert, but you know, Zach Lowe always does his uh, rankings where he factors in like logo and uniforms and like, team announcers and stuff and the thunder usually ranks last or close to last and it's like it's hard to get excited about the logo or the uniforms it's it's not bad it's just like very safe safe it is safe thank you that is that is the uh that's the word i i was looking for i conservative keeps popping into my mind but i don't want to uh i, I don't want to inject a a word that might be confused for the the state's politics. So it is it, it is a very safe design. 
Um, safe everything. The Thunder's in-game entertainment. Safe. Everything they do is safe. Just uh, get a little crazy is is what I would say. You could already say that like like the the native inspired uniforms they wore a few years back. I think that would be an awesome mm-hmm. like permanent brand change. Um, so so they could just like how the um the jazz incorporated for for multiple years that like gradient red yellow black kind of look um the heat they didn't make like the miami vice uniforms their permanent uniforms but had them for several years as kind of an alternate rather than changing your alternate up every year so um could bring that back make that more of a staple i think everyone loved those but yeah i think i think it's probably time but i i don't see it happening i even gave the thunder just a open the door opportunity whenever i asked shay i was like do you like the new jerseys would you like to design one if he was like yes please let me do that do you want to keep yeah. shay happy you let him design the new uniforms <laughs> May- maybe something could be timed for the new arena so mm-hmm. just throwing out a year 2028 maybe maybe you move into a new arena you change things up now the thunders in in like the nba finals or something i i would never advocate a change for a team that has been very successful because you want to you want to leave like an imprint on someone's mind but yeah and the thing is with the thunder like i get establishing your brand and it's good to not be changing up every year but you're not going to become the dallas cowboys or whatever who's just like this one synonymous or the lakers or the bulls or the celtics like yeah, you're you're just you're never going to become that brand. And then the last thing that I would do for fan engagement is um bring back Thunder Alley. I understand why it went away, but we've seen like Jurassic Park up uh, the Deer District uh, and other teams. Mm-hmm. I that was always one of my favorite things was when the Thunder games were going nuts and then they panned outside of the arena and people are just going crazy outside. Um, I understand there are some logistics things there, but. Maybe that's another new arena thing too. Maybe that's something they can build in mind. Yeah, and a lot of I, I mean, downtown Oklahoma City has built up quite a bit, but a lot of these new arenas, there is like a kind of like a restaurant bar like district, like near the arena, um, that will kind of allow for that type of stuff. But also I, I think it's a tied to the playoffs as well. Like if the Thunder is in the playoffs playoffs next season i i could see um you know a thunder alley thing being revived two more questions at fee underscore elson i guess filson what would you say is the biggest need for this team after you factor in chet it seemed like as if he enjoyed playing the quote-unquote roamer when jay will play the five maybe not the best spot for him forever could uh, the four be his contract position or his rookie contract position like evan mobley yeah, I, I'm not really interested in the Chet four verse five question now. I, I mean, I think we've talked it to death, and I also think the answer is just going to naturally emerge. I think ideally, you would want him playing the five defensively, just to have him close to the rim. Sure, if he's better suited as a roamer type. And I think that'll happen. But like until we see him play and until we see him play for a couple of years, um, until we see what sort of defensive scheme Mark Degnault draws up now with Chet as the anchor of that defense in a type of player that Degnault hasn't had to play with before. um, I, I just don't think it's worth worrying about this question now. As far as needs, I'm kind of in the same place on that. I mean... Every team needs more shooting. Every team needs more defense. Every team needs more ball handlers. Um, but like the the Thunder is in a really good spot where there's not like some glaring need. But again, that's they're so young. Like a, a need is going to emerge. But um, right now, I don't even think they're in the business of like addressing needs because they don't know what they have in the first place. One thing that Chet has over Mobley is that he can shoot 
already. I think he's going to be a better shooter than Mobley. I don't think that's yeah. a, a hot take. And Mobley, it kind of gives you some limitations of him playing at the four if he can't space the floor. Chet, I think you can see playing both, but I'm with you. It just doesn't really matter to me the whole talk about it. And then you mentioned the Romer thing. He can still play the Romer as a five if you have J-Dub or Josh guarding one of the bigger body guys down there because they're going to continue to um, add strength and add weight. And then for Chet, the last thing, it's not like Mark Dagnall and Sam Presti and these guys have to go into training camp this year and they go, okay, we have to make a decision. Rest of your career, four or five. Yeah. It's not like they're naming a starting quarterback or something. I mean, it's they don't even they don't even use positional traditional positional names. Like the sport is just going away from that in general. So um if I if if one of us asked Mark like is Chet going to play center or power forward? I think you would make some kind of joke about it. And or, then say yes something. and then I mean, make some analogy that hurts my feelings. Yeah. So But I mean, think of the other guys who are sort of like Chet's build or in that mold. Anthony Davis, four and five. He plays both. Um Porzingis, four and five. You can uh, Jaron Jackson Jr., Victor Wembanyama. You can just go down the line of a lot of these guys. Evan Mobley, we just mentioned. They play a little bit of both. I don't think that outside of like a handful of guys like Joel Embiid and Jokic who are just like, you will play center. That's end of story. That's just kind of it. I think that Chet has a little bit more space to move around between those two spots. Yeah, or like the bruising centers like a Steven Adams or a Valanchunas, like those guys have to play the five, but yeah, you nailed it. The The modern day bigs, they play the four or the five, four and the five. Is there going to be times when Chet's on the floor with J-Will, like in summer league where J-Will's at the five and Chet's at the four? Sure. Are there going to be times when Chet is the only big on the floor? Yes. So you, you're going to see it both ways. I'll even zag on that. I think it's a good thing. I don't think that you want a guy like a Gobert who it's like, it just this one spot is taken no matter what. I think that it gives you a lot more flexibility in your lineups and changing if you have guys who can play multiple positions. And that's what the Thunder have been about. I mean, Giddy can play one through four. J-Dub has yeah. played one through four. Shea, one it's through three. It's what they do with their guards. Exactly. I mean, sometimes Giddy's going to be on the ball more. Sometimes Shea's going to be on the ball more. I mean, J-Dub is going to bring it up. Like, you're just... You have this versatility that keeps defenses off balance so like why would you want to be more predictable in how you play yeah don't handcuff yourself into three guys where it's like they're playing point guard or they're not on the floor or they're playing center or they're not on the floor but last mm -hmm. question here from at brutus maximus which is more likely being involved in the dame trade or getting siakam <laughs> oh boy I I think it is being involved in the Dame trade. I don't think it's going to be with Dame coming to Oklahoma City. In fact, it is definitely not going to be in that. But I could see, you know, the Dame trade could end up being very complex that involves multiple teams and, um, you know, other teams being included to match salary or take on an unwanted contract or something like that. So I could see the Thunder being involved in that in some way. I like Siakam a lot. I just don't know. He he's they're already putting it out there that like if he's traded, he's not necessarily re-signing with the team that trades for him. So then it's like you're gonna be scared off uh to to trade for him in the first place. So I don't see that one happening. Yeah, I agree. I like Siakam as an individual and as a player. I don't really like the fit for this team. He's on the other side of 30. You're going to bring in a guy who wants to be, at worst, your second best player and second option on this team. And he's a guy you're going to sign long-term for money in a spot where with if you sign Siakam, you're just telling Chet he's a five, essentially. I mean, you can swap those guys and play them together, but it feels like more or less that would be what's happening. And then... um. For the Dame thing, I think that's more likely. I think that the Thunder hypothetically could get in there and help sweeten a deal and move some picks to Portland to make this happen. And maybe they pick up 
like a Caleb Martin or something like that, which I don't think is super likely, but I think it's much more likely that they are just like in a piece of the pie rather than like one of the big contributors who gets another player. Yeah. Uh, in defense of Pascal Siakam, you, you you did prematurely age him by by a year. He's he's twenty nine years old, but um, you know, a non traditional career arc. He, he he was a late bloomer. He he was twenty two when he was a rookie, so he's only been in the league one, two, three, four, five, six, seven years, and he's um already twenty nine years old. It's going to be is is going to be thirty by the end of this coming season, so. Yeah, it doesn't really fit in from that perspective either. Yeah, and you just want to, with these guys, you want to see how much they can grow. And with Siakam, he comes in and just takes up a lot of space in the room. Not in a bad way, but I think he's a guy who's ready to win. He's already won a title, and he wants to get paid. And I don't think the Thunder are necessarily the team to do that. You've seen rumors with him going to Indiana or Atlanta, and I'd say those are more likely that. And Masai Ujiri just doesn't want to trade anybody. So I'd go ahead and say the the Dame one's more likely. Yeah, yeah. Good stuff. Good questions. Good questions. We'll have to do this again sometime. Joe, do you have anything to plug before we get out of here? You know, uh, no, not really. Still working on a Mitchell story, talking to some of his former teammates at FS. I talked to Elijah Bryant last night who, who played at BYU. He's played, uh, he played with Mitchell for two seasons at FS and then, and he played for three seasons um, for, for another Turkish team or another EuroLeague team. Um, so he he played against Mijic. So he's been on both sides of that. Uh, talked to him a lot about what Mijic is like on and off the floor. So should be some good stuff on that coming up. Definitely some stuff to look forward to. Thank you all for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. Make sure to like, subscribe, comment, rate us five stars, leave a review. Um, feedback is important to us at ThunderBudPod on Twitter, and we'll be back again for more Thunder Talk on Friday. Just going to run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts.